0: Let us join together in prayer. Let us all pray. Most gracious God and loving Heavenly Father, we come to look into Thy word even this evening now. How we do, pray dear Lord, thou help us. Oh, we need the help of the Holy Spirit to understand these things that are written in the scriptures. And how we do, pray dear Lord, we study them even this evening. As we seek to look into that prophet Isaiah and how he spoke to thy people, thy beloved people, thy precious people of Israel. Help us dear Lord to understand oh, what a future, a glorious future they have. As thy people, help us to understand too, dear Lord, those things that I understand from the reading, from the studying of the scriptures. And, oh, dear Lord, help us to look unto thee, or oh, to seek thy face, and to walk ever closer with thee in these days. So, hear our prayers. Forgive all that seers to miss, as we ask these things in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. Amen. We're coming to look this evening, at passage in Jeremiah, at Jeremiah, and we read the passage there, Jeremiah chapter 31, and we're looking there, particularly really probably at the verses 1 down to verse 10. This passage here is a word from God, to all the families of Israel, and is given by God to that prophet Jeremiah, the prophet who prophesied to Judah in the days of Josiah, the reign of Jehoiakim, and then through into the reign of Zedekiah 2, kings of Judah, although his prophecy was mainly in relation and mainly during that reign of josiah the name jeremiah it means jehovah will exalt or jehovah will be exalted and how jeremiah are oh, we reading the first verse of his prophecy in chapter one he was a priest and how he sought to do this in all his life and in all his prophecy these verses are specifically relevant to the nation of israel And they certainly look back to a time in their past. Yes, they look back into the history of Israel. They deal with their present time, their present time when Jeremiah was there, their present time even now. But they look forward to. They look forward to a future time, a time when God has a purpose for Israel, a purpose that he will outwork, a purpose that will be performed. This passage then here is primarily in relation to Israel the chosen people of God and the recipients of his divine covenant of Abraham with Isaac and with Jacob but we too oh how thankful we are though these prophecies they come to Israel how we should be so thankful that we can learn from them and it's always good at times like this at any time to recollect and look back and see the Lord's good hand in leading in guiding us through all our lives. We can look back in history just like Israel can and see God's good hand. And we can give him thanks for his providence, all oh, that providing nature of our gods. And we can look back too, and we can trust that he who has guided us thus far, he will lead us all our journey through. And so to look forward and to trust in him that what he has done in times gone by what he's even doing now in his present time because give us faith to hope and trust him more in the future the path may be very difficult in places but god has brought us safely through how we can praise him for that he has brought us safely through and the path may be harsh in the future we're warned of that oh how the scriptures tell us it will be harsh there will be tribulation there will be trial our god is sovereign and as we look to him lean on him he will bring us through to his glory and to our good so then too we can learn this and so of all scripture there's a message for us all to look into and to benefit from he says of israel in an opening verse there verse, chapter 31 that they he will be their god and they shall be my people Yes, it's true of Israel, especially true of Israel. But how that is true of all redeemed. Well, we're all God's people and he is our God. But we do see specific experience of Israel and lessons to be learned from them and a future for them. We, as Gentile believers, can in some part enter into Oh, there's a blessed future for them. There is an assured future for them, as there is for all believers who trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. So I'd like to start off, and I've got a few points here. They're all DPs. The first one we have is the dangerous position. The dangerous position. I believe this portion here looks back to a time in the nation when they were in Egypt, in captivity in Egypt. Although it could be very much relevant today and a desert experience that Israel are really in at this very moment in time. And I think here we have the very first place verse. We those, those who escaped the edge of a sword. It says there, Thus saith the Lord, verse 2, The people which were left of the sword. There were those who escaped the edge of the sword. If we look back into the Exodus record of the nation of Israel, we will see the hardships and pain they suffered of Pharaoh and the Egyptians. Oh, how they suffered at the hand of Pharaoh and the Egyptians. Not only physical hardships, or they were beaten, beaten to death at times perhaps, but the mental pain too. Children snatched from their fathers and mothers and killed, slain. Or how they suffered at Pharaoh and the Egyptians. You recall those many years they spent in hard slave labour to the cruel taskmasters. You can look back to the time when Moses was born and the slaying of all the male children with a sword. And yet God preserved and raised up Moses. Then for 40 years, whilst he lived in the palace of the Pharaoh, there was that daily punishing and tormenting of them by the Egyptians. This truly was a time they were living in fear of being slain or even dying from physical and mental torments. Then of the 40 years whilst moses having fled the country was a shepherd in the backside of the desert and then he too has that visitation with god in the burning bush and god says to him you can see it can we not in exodus chapter seven chapter three rather verses seven to ten exodus chapter three verses seven to ten where god meets with moses on the backside of the desert and he says there and the lord said i've surely seen the affliction of my people which are in egypt and have heard their cry by reason of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows, and I am come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians. And goes on to say he will bring them up into a good land. Oh, Moses, would go down and visit Pharaoh and bring the children out. Oh, he had heard their cry, he would seen their oppression, and he goes down. He will go down to the leaven. And we can think for those more than 80 years, these people living under the threat of swords. They were having their lives and livelihood threatened from day to day. And yet God said, They are my people. I have not deserted them. They are still precious in mine eyes. They are still my precious possession. To all intents and purposes, they seem to be for all those years in a very dangerous place. They must have been so thankful as individuals and as a people to come to the end of the day and still be alive. They really did not know what a day would bring forth for them. Yet they were delivered from this torturous state. Yet they were delivered from this horrible state. And how often we can feel those Israelites of old, pushed down, threatened, tortured, and under so much trial and tribulation. Yet are these things not promised us? told us in the word of god when jacob feared he got down to egypt he was told of god to go he was told to fear not for god will be there there make of him a great nation and we are too told to fear not to fear in so many places in scripture the words of the savior come to mind in luke chapter 12 and luke chapter 12 the savior says there luke chapter 12 and we're coming down to the verse 32 Luke 12, verse 32, and he says there, Fear not, fear not, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Oh, how that fear not comes loud and clear to us even this day. Fear not, little flock, for it is the father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. We can look back in the prophet Isaiah, and there we see some very comforting fear not verses. Fear not verses. Isaiah chapter 41, and the verse 13 to 14. And there the prophet says there, "'For I, the Lord thy God, will hold thy right hand, saying unto thee, "'Fear not, I will help thee. "'Fear not, thou worm, Jacob, and men of Israel. "'I will help thee,' saith the Lord." And thy Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. Turn over a couple of pages to Isaiah 43, verses 1 and verse 5. And it says there, But now thus saith the Lord that created thee, O Jacob, and he that formed thee, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed thee. I have called thee by thy name. Thou art mine. Thou art mine. Fear not, in verse 5, for I am with thee. I will bring thy seed from the east and gather thee from the west. We'll come to this verse later on. I will say to the north, give up, and to the south, keep not back. Bring my sons from afar and my daughters from the ends of the earth. We'll be looking at that, that facet later on. In chapter 44 and the verse 2. Thus saith the Lord that made thee, and formed thee from the womb, which will help thee, fear not. O Jacob, my servant, and thou, Jeshurun, whom I have chosen, for I will pour water upon him that is thirsty and floods upon the dry ground. I will pour my spirit upon my seed and my blessing upon thine offspring. What are these words here. In those three chapters there, they come to the nation of Israel. They come to the seed of Jacob. It's a fear not to Jacob. It's a fear not to Israel. For they come to to each of God's chosen within people. Fear not. Oh, so often we can look forward into the future and fear the enemy is too big. The obstacles in now way are too mountainous. The problems that we think we have are unsolvable, but we have a God who is good. And he says to each and every one of us, as he says to Jacob, as he says to Israel, "Fear not." You know, Let us look to him each day. Let us plead his promises and take him at his word and step forward. Yes, we may be in a dangerous place, but with God before us, with God behind us, with God under us, bearing us up in those everlasting arms, we are in the safest place we possibly could be. But more than this, we can look back in our lives coming on. And we were once those children of the devil. We lived each and every day under the threat of destruction. Yet God in his goodness delivered us from the power of sin. He delivered us from the power of Satan. He delivered us from the punishment that was our sin so right deserved. And he delivers us from the penalty of sin. From eternal destruction. From hell itself. Yes, like those people of old. Like Israel of old, we are those who escape from the wrath to come. Have survived the torments of the devil and God himself as he delivered Israel from the sword, has delivered us. This only applies to those who have come to realise their state before a holy God, to confess our sins, repent of our sins, and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. If that is not the case for any person, hearing this tonight, then you are still in a dangerous place. You are still in a precarious position with none to help, none to deliver none to save, and none to say to you, fear not. Oh, that each that listens to this tonight may be brought from that dangerous place to a place of sweet refuge, as Israel have in the past and will do in days to come as this passage unfolds itself. We next see the desolate place, the desolate place. We see the desolate place as the verse goes on. For it says in our passage, Jeremiah 31 there. It speaks about there. The people lifted left with the sword found grace in the wilderness. It speaks of the wilderness. And if ever there's a desolate place in this earth, it's the wilderness. The place where there's no vegetation. Where there's very little life. Just a beating of the sun. Day after day. And the lash of wind carrying the heat of that sun day after day. And didn't those people of old, didn't they experience this? If you think that 80 years of living in Egypt was enough, then came those 40 years of travelling through the wilderness. If Egypt was a biblical picture of the world, then surely the wilderness is also a biblical picture of the world. But the world in the eyes of the believer, a desert place, one of no spiritual sustenance. And so we see, we not, those people of Israel saved from the terrors of Egypt and then led into the weary wilderness. Yet how we see, the verse tells us, they found grace in the wilderness. All throughout their journey, God was with them. The pillar of fire by night the pillar of cloud by day, leading them in the way that they should go. He not only led them, but he also provided for all their needs throughout all their wilderness journeys. He provided provided manna for them, something they knew nothing of before that time. He gave them quails to eat morning by morning. He provided water from the rock. We see in Deuteronomy chapter 8 and how we read there how God provided for them. Oh, we've seen a miracle of God, how he provided for his people there. Turn over to Deuteronomy chapter 8 and the verses 3 to 4. And there we read. And he humbled thee, and suffered thee to hunger, and fed thee with manna, which thou knewest not. Neither did thy fathers know, that he might make thee know that man doth not live by bread only, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of the Lord doth man live. And in verse 4 tells us. Thy raiment waxed old upon thee, neither did thy foot swell these forty years. Or oh, have he cared for them all throughout desert pilgrimage? If ever there are people who are recipients of the grace of God, then it is Israel at this time, yet how we read about them, do we not? They moaned, they groaned, they grumbled with God. How sad it is. And I think it's one of the saddest verses in scripture really. Read verse, Numbers chapter 11. Numbers chapter 11. And you'll see there how they yearned. Yearned of the things they should not really yearn after. Numbers chapter 11 and verses 4 to 7. And in the mixed multitude, those was among them, a lusting. And the children of Israel also wept again and said, Who should give us flesh to eat? We remember the fish which would eat in egypt freely the cucumbers and the melons and the leeks and the onions and the garlic but now our soul is dried away there is nothing at all beside this manna before our eyes and the manna was as coriander seed and the color thereof was the color of bdellium oh how it sees it they moaned they yearned they yearned after all they've been delivered from they may have been in a desert place, but it's not so dangerous as a dangerous place. For even in a desolate place, they had God with them, every step of the way. Ah, but it's so easy to look at Israel and think, what a foolish bunch of people. What an unthankful bunch of people. But often we are so much in the same frame of mind. We are in this world. And for the believer, there is nothing in this world that can really satisfy the soul. And yet there is, because God has promised each and every one of us that he will never leave us. He never left Israel, the pillar of cloud by day, the pillar of fire by night. He never left them. And he has promised he will never leave. He will never forsake us. We may feel our own. Even sometimes be away from family and friends. We may feel very much in that solitary place at times spiritually. But God's promise stands true. He will never forsake those he has snatched from the dangerous place, from devil's clutches, those he has redeemed. And just as the prophets tell us that Israel are not forgotten people or a forsaken people, so God's eternal promise to his people is that he cannot and therefore will not forget them, leave them, or forsake them. There are people for whom he sent his Son into the world, there are people for whom Christ died upon Calvary's tree. There are people redeemed by His precious blood. He cannot, He will not leave us through every trial of our faith, through every grief, through every desolate place. Are those everlasting arms underneath, <coughs> bear us up and comfort and draw us ever closer to Him? Yes, to Israel, it may have seemed a very desolate place, but the very evidence of the fire <coughs> and the cloud was evidence of God's keeping and preserving grace. That divine grace in the wilderness. A grace that we too know every step of the way, our way. We are assured will be with us each and every step of our way. It is so easy. <coughs> like those people of old, found to their shame to forget this. To rely on the strength of human flesh. To look to ourselves all too often. But let us look in our days at our to our great covenant-keeping God. And rest in his strength. And his leading, they were in a desert place. Yes, but they wandered in the wilderness those forty years because of disobedience, because they would not listen to the report of the, tr- the two faithful sh- spies, and went their own way. Didn't trust in God's, were disobedient, and walked for forty years in the wilderness. Let us learn. Oh, never be happy in a desert place. Never seek to be disobedient to what God says. But seek to walk in his ways and follow him. But next we come down and we see the delivered people. We see the delivered people. We have touched on this. Tonight. We've gone through the passage. But as we go through each verse, we see that they are named of God. They are name, named of God's, is God's Chosen people. This is not any people, it is Israel. It is Israel. And yes, they are God's chosen people. I would venture to say there are many other nationalities, slaves, that the slave traders brought to Egypt in that day that were afflicted by the sword, by the very same sword that afflicted the children of Israel. The Egyptians were a mighty people who no doubt took captives from nations round about them, and like the Israelites, they put them to slave labour. It was only the children of Israel that God delivered directly from the Egyptians' hands, although indirectly, due to God destroying the Egyptian nation, many others may have also been delivered in that time. It was only the people of Israel who knew God's leading through the wilderness, that harsh and desert place. They were truly a delivered people and a favoured people. They were not a mighty people. They were not even a big people. They were not even a good people, yet they were and are God's chosen people. We can look each around a day and we see they are still a nation who are despised by the world. And we should look at this a little bit later. But as they were delivered in a day gone by, when all seemed to go against him, so will be in a future time. They have, all, they have been reserved all this time for God to reveal his purpose for his people. Do we not feel this way ourselves sometimes? We can acknowledge that as believers, we are very much in the minority. There are many around us who are mightier than us. We are so often filled our smallest numbers in the, midst, in the midst of people that are round about us. We know in and of ourselves we are disobedient people. Or oh, despite God's good hand upon us, we still do those things that we know grieve him. And are contrary to his laws and his words. Yet by the grace of God, we can be assured we are a delivered people. We can believe that because the sinless saviour died in our place, then we are a favoured people. This should cause us to rejoice and be glad. When we think of the time that the Lord Jesus Christ came to this world, we think of him as being a helpless baby. And whilst many would love to keep him as a babe in a manger, the truth of the matter is, he came for a specific purpose. And that was to save his people from their sins this was no visitation with god to earth just to speak and to commune with man as he'd done in the past no this was a purpose oh god the son had a purpose when he came to this world paul wright timothy speaks of it christ jesus came into the world to save sinners he came to die for sinners to deliver his people from their sin, from the power and deceit of the devil, and deliver them, he did. He came, and his testimony was was that all, not just some, No, all that the Father giveth me shall come to me. He would not lose one, no. Not one redeemed soul would ever be lost. This of itself is a precious thought. And while many would love to leave him on the cross as a crucified saviour, or even to leave him in the tomb, As a buried Christ, he rose from the dead and he in mighty power ascended to the right hand of his Father. He did all this to deliver his people, as God did with the Israelites of old. His grace, that grace in the wilderness, was sufficient for them, and his grace is sufficient. For us now, day by day, we see a delivered people. Oh, they're in a dangerous position. They're in a desolate place. But how we see the mighty power of God. He brought them out of Egypt with a mighty hand. Oh, a mighty hand. He led them through the wilderness. He delivered them from all the harm and danger throughout the wilderness. He delivered his people. And we will come to look in the future and a future time. And we'll think later, he has a deliverance of Israel very much in his mind. We said, do we not? As we read for this chapter here in chapter 31, the deliverance of his people, of Israel, of his precious people, is very much in the forefront of the plan of God's. What we think then of? A delivered people at that time. But we come then to a dispersed people. The dispersed people, but having once been delivered by the power of God, having once been brought out of Egypt, having once been led through the wilderness, having once been given that power to conquer the promised land, to push the nations out. How we see Israel, they did not learn from the history. And all this can can be so costly to a nation. Not to learn from the history. And how we see Israel didn't learn from the history. How we see as believers, it's important to us to learn from history. The history recorded for us in the scriptures of Israel. The history recorded for us in the history of our land, in the world. To learn from history. And not go and lust in other things of this world. But seek to walk in paths of righteousness. To seek to walk with our God's. If we turn back to Deuteronomy chapter 28, we see there the blessings and the curses that Moses told the children of Israel that would come from God. And we see there in the chapter 28, it opens up with, And it shall come to pass, if thou shalt hearken diligently unto the voice of the Lord thy God to observe and do his commandments which I thee this day, that the Lord thy God will set thee on high above all nations of the earth. Israel had this promise. If they hearken to God, if they obeyed God, they will be set up on high above all nations in the earth. Oh, look at the history of Israel. That is not the case. That is not the case. They are dispersed people. And if we come down, you'll see there, yes, Israel by obedience, they would do these things, but by disobedience, the curse of God would fall upon them. Come then to verse 15 there. In verse 15, Moses says, But it shall come to pass, if thou wilt not hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God, to observe to do all his commandments and his statutes, which I command thee this day, that all these curses shall come upon thee, and overtake thee. The curse of God would come upon them, and overtake them. Come down to verse 25. And there you see in verse 25. A really sad verse really. The Lord shall cause thee. To be smitten before enemies. They shall go out one way against them. And flee seven ways before them. And shall be removed. Into all the kingdoms. Of the earth. Moses foretold. Many years before Jeremiah came on the scene. They would be dispersed. Into all the kingdoms of the earth. How we see here do we not the outfall of disobedience and the curse of God that was upon them? We read in verse eight of that chapter, verse chapter thirty one in Jeremiah, and they shall come from the north, and I will bring them from the north country, and gather them from the coast of the earth, and with them the blind and the lame, the woman, and the child, and her travail for child together, a great company shall return. There. Well we see there they'll be brought from the north they'll be brought from all the coasts of the earth as we see in scripture this people were truly a dispersed people over all the earth they disobeyed god they would not hearken to his commands they were disperse the apostle peter when he's writing his first epistle he writes those strangers who were scattered those jews who were scattered in the various regions. Oh, here he writes of them. When Nebuchadnezzar came up against Judah and Jerusalem, and even before that, when Tiglath-Pileser, the Assyrian, came up against Israel, so it was that the twelve tribes of Israel were scattered over the whole earth and have been to this date. Yes, it is true that some returned in the days of Cyrus, but a vast multitude have been scattered over the whole earth since that time. They truly are a dispersed people, and yet the land is still the promised land. It is still the land of Israel. That land that was promised was hundred years ago to Abraham and bound by the covenant of an unfailing <coughs> and ever-faithful God Ad Jehovah. As we look through history, we see the concept empires have dispersed the Jewish nation far and wide, across the whole earth. And as we have said, few, comparatively few, came back at the time of Nehemiah and Ezra to Judah and Jerusalem. But it seems even very fewer came back to the northern king of Israel, and so for nine 2,500 years, they have been a scattered people across the whole earth. They are a dispersed people. As we read in verse 10 of the text, it was not these mighty kings or these great armies that scattered Israel. It was the Lord Himself. Verse 10 says, Hear the word of Jehovah, O ye nations, and declare it in the isles afar off, and say, He that scattered Israel. He that scattered Israel. It was Jehovah it was the lord god of israel it was he himself who caused him to be a dispersed people the prophet hosea hosea he prophesied before jeremiah and hosea chapter nine we see how he foretold this so many years beforehand hosea chapter nine turns this passage here hosea chapter nine and we turn to the verse 17 the last verse there and it says there my god will cast them away because they did not hearken unto him, and they shall be wanderers among nations. It was God who cast them away, God who scattered his people, because of their disobedience, because of their refusal to hearken unto his voice, because of their sin. So for many years... They have wandered among the nations. But the astounding thing is, the astonishing thing is, that despite them being scattered all this time, and intermingling with the nations, wandering amongst the nations with whom they have dwelt, yet the truth is, they haven't lost their identity. Oh, dispersed people, yes. But a people who have not lost their identity, we can look at history, and we can see many empires that have been built up. Our own British Empire has been built up by the conquering of nations. And the conquering nation has, over time, lost their identity. Not so of Israel. God has kept them all through his time. This has been foretold many years ago, many years previously. Turn back to Numbers chapter 23. And in Numbers 23, you'll see a prophecy made by that false prophet oh that false prophet Balaam but God was speaking through him and even he said some wondrous things some wondrous things but turn to Numbers chapter 23 and the verse 9 there and you'll see there take it read from verse 7 and he took his parable and said Balaam the king of Moab hath brought me from Aram out of the mountains of the east saying come curse me Jacob and come defy israel balak wanted balaam to curse israel balak wanted balaam to defy israel but balaam's voice was with god speaking through him how shall i curse whom god hath not cursed or how shall i defy whom the lord hath not defied him jehovah hath not defied from the top of the rocks i see him and from the hills i behold him lo The people shall dwell alone and shall not be reckoned among the nations. How there Balaam said so long ago. They would not be reckoned. They would not be counted among the nations. They would remain. They would keep their identity. The people of Israel would not and have not just blended in with those that live amongst. They are recognisable or more than that. They are recognisable and they are hated. Because they are Jews, because they are God's people. We see time and time again throughout the history, even in our present day in the conflicts in the Middle East, they are hated in general by the nations of this earth. And this history of Israel, though it should have been taken heed to by themselves, comes as a stark warning to Christian church in our day and age. God cannot abide, God cannot live with disobedience, with a proud and a haughty spirit that says, I will not have this man, I will not have God to rule over me. That spirit that places anyone or anything above himself and he very much disapproves of self-righteousness. God has made his people an evidence of the whole world to be an astonishment, just as Moses said in his prophecy, Said before they enter the promised land, they would be an astonishment to the whole world. So we see a dispersed people over the whole world, and then we come on, and we see a drawn people. Oh, the drawn people! And yet, despite all this, being a dispersed people and a disobedient people, how we see to the promise of Almighty God that they are a people who God will draw back to Himself. Their disobedience is only for a season. If we go back in Jeremiah, we go back to the next chapter a chapter in Jeremiah, to Jeremiah chapter 30, we see there Jeremiah's a prophecy, and he says there the word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord, saying, Thus speaketh the Lord God of Israel, saying, Write thee all the words I've spoken unto thee in a book. For lo the days come, saith the Lord, that I will bring again the captivity of my people Israel and Judah saith the Lord, saith Jehovah, and I will cause them to return to the land that I gave their fathers, and they shall possess it. How we see here a definite promise from God. This cannot have yet been fulfilled, and so it is yet to be fulfilled in a future time. It is yet to be fulfilled before the eyes of the whole world. The whole world will see this. I will give. I will cause them to return to the land I gave their fathers, and they shall possess it. We have seen every night, ever since the armies of Assyria and Babylon marched into the promised land and led the inhabitants away captive, that through successive empires, the Jews have never inhabited fully or owned fully. own borders even to this day but god has promised that they will possess their own borders in their own land in romans chapters 9 through to 11 9 10 11 we read the apostle paul in his discourse in relation to israel if we turn to chapter 10 there we see paul he starts off chapter 10 romans chapter 10 and he says there in romans chapter 10 brethren My heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. Oh, his heart's desire, his prayer to God is that all Israel will be saved. He says this in his knowledge of the Old Testament prophecies which to the fact that God has a purpose for Israel, a purpose yet to be fulfilled. If there was anybody, anybody in the scriptures who knew the Old Testament prophecies, it was Paul. He was a Hebrew of the Hebrews. He was a Pharisee who learned his trade, learned his doctrine, learned what he knew at the feet of one of the best tutors, Gamaliel. He had been brought to a full knowledge of the scriptures. Oh, so much a fuller knowledge than even his tutors had. He had a right understanding of what the prophetic scriptures really said he saw God's purpose that all Israel might be saved he saw that in the purpose of God and he prayed to that effect he prayed according to the will of God for he saw God's prophecy or the prophecies the prophet speaking as led by God that there is a purpose for Israel that was the will of God that was his divine sovereign will that will come to pass. And Paul prayed according to that will. He knew his own experience. He knew of the irresistible power of the Holy Spirit in salvation. Oh, read that passage in Acts. But the conversion of Saul on Damascus Road. And how you'll see there, Paul. He knew that irresistible power of the Holy Spirit in salvation. And he knew the power of God. No human might can or could ever stand against it. And so he opens chapter 11 with a statement in chapter 11 God forbid, God forbid that he should cast away his people, Israel. I say then, hath God cast away his people? God forbid. For I also am an Israelite of the seed of Abraham, of the tribe of Benjamin. God hath not cast away his people, which he foreknew. God hath not cast away his people, which he foreknew. God, no gods. He hasn't cast his people away. He will draw them back to him. Oh, there come a day with reading Jeremiah here. He will draw them back to him. He will draw them back back to the land the promised land oh despite their rebellion despite all their disobedience his hand is ever stretched out towards them in those romans chapters 9 10 11 and in the end of romans chapter 10 there you'll see paul he quotes from the prophet isaiah and he says there in romans 10 verses 20 to 21 but Isaiah is very bold It's coming from Isaiah chapter 65. But here it quotes in Romans 10 verse 20. I was found of them that sought me not. I was made manifest unto them that asked not after me. But to Israel, Israel, he saith, all day long I have stretched forth my hands unto a disobedient and a gain, saying people, all day long, all these many years, God's hand is stretched out to his people. A people who are disobedient. A people who are dispersed. A people who have not, will not hearken unto his word as we see at this present time. Oh, but they are. And they will be a people drawn back to God in his mercy and by his grace. Oh, we think about it, we know. They found grace in the wilderness. They are still in the wilderness experience Israel even this time they will find grace the grace of God that will draw them back unto himself and so we come on into a divine protector oh we think of the drawing power of God but how we see he is that divine protector that one who cares that one who protects his people day by day one of the Jehovah names in scripture is Jehovah Jireh from the story of Abraham and Isaac and how God provided the lamb for the sacrifice. And so it is that God protects and provides for all his people. He protect them through all their wilderness journeys. He provided them. We've already considered that. He gave them food, bread and meat. He gave them water. He provided their basic needs. They never, ever went without He made sure their clothes didn't get old and worn. He made sure their bodies didn't suffer from day trekking in the the sandy ways. But more than this, when enemies came against him, he was there to defend them and to give them the required means to defeat the enemy. When some snuck up and attacked them in the rear, he delivered them. God was that protector who watched over all his people. And he is that same God yesterday. And today and forever. And so, through all the subsequent centuries since their captivity, he has watched over his rebellious people. Yes, dispersed. Yes, through all nations of the world, wandering about. And yet, he provides for them. When nations sought to annihilate them, God was there. And God will always be there right at the very time when Antichrist comes and seeks to destroy the nation of Israel. God will be there. God will be there. And he'll provide for them. Always be there to look after them. The Saviour says in in Matthew, Matthew chapter 10, about his providing care, how he looks after his own. He looks after his own. He cares for his own. In Matthew chapter 10, and verses 29 to 31 there. He says there, Are not two sparrows sold for a farthing? And one of them shall not fall to the ground, are your father nine, but the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear you not therefore, ye are more valued than many sparrows. How Saviour is saying, He values his people, even above a sparrow, even above a sparrow. And then turn over chapter to chapter eleven there. In chapter eleven, those well known verses at the end there, come unto me, all ye that labour and are heavy laden. And I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart. And you shall find rest unto your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Oh, how the Saviour cares. Oh, how he provides. Oh, how he looks after each of his own. What a comfort to know that our God is one who daily cares and looks after us. We read in John chapter 14 the words of the Saviour as he tells his disciples of his imminent departure that he would not, he could not leave them to the devices of the evil one but he would protect them by sending the comforter, the Holy Spirit. Read about it in John chapter 14. He would send the comforter. He would send the Spirit and I'm sure we all, each of us, know those who love the Saviour, those times when we felt that comforting presence of the Holy Spirit. Where nothing else will comfort, but God's. Where well, there's nowhere to turn, but to the Scriptures, and find in there our comfort. God is one who provides for His people. He provided for Israel, yes, in the wilderness journeys, yes, in their conquest of Canaan. But how we see since the captivity, all those many years stretching from Assyrian Babylon. Right through his present day. God has provided for his people. He provides for them yesterday. He provides for them today. he provides for them tomorrow and in the future. To that drawing in is eventually seen. God provides for all his people. And then we see the desired place. He brings them to that rest. I cause them to rest, it says. God will and did cause his people to rest. Yes, after all the troubles and afflictions of Egypt, the trials and wars of a desert place, he brought them into the promised land. Psalm 107 speaks of that. Turn to Psalm 107. And you'll see there what the psalmist says. Psalm 107, verses 4 to 7. And you'll see there, they wandered in the wilderness, in a solitary place. They found no city to dwell in. Hungry and thirsty, their soul fainted in them. Then they cried unto the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them out of their distresses. And he led them forth by the right hand, that they might go to a city of habitation. Oh, how he led them. God brought them to that rest. He brought them to the promised land. And we will see he will bring them to that rest in time to come. But as we read from the scripture, we see how the people of God Israel, they left that worship of Jehovah. And they served and worshipped other gods with thought this already. And they would not hearken unto the Lord their God. They worshipped gods that were no gods. And so it was already thought they were taken into captivity. And they knew the curse of God that had been promised back in those wilderness journeys, back when we read in Deuteronomy chapter 28. If they departed from his statutes, if they departed from the laws of God, they would be sent into captivity. And so that came to pass. As we see in this chapter, as we refer to later, God still has a plan for the Jew. He still has a purpose for his children Israel, and he will bring them back into the land. or oh, he will bring them to that desired place. But this is something all God's people, chosen people have looked to look forward to, being brought to that desired place, being brought to heaven itself. There are many outside this service even tonight, even this land of ours and across the whole wide world who had desires to go to heaven. But they have no idea what heaven is all about. If they did, they'll be listening tonight. They'll be here. They have visions of streets of gold and of all things being nice. Yes, that may be the case. That may be what heaven really is. You know, some small token, but it's so much more than that. It's being in God's presence. Many outside this building tonight really wouldn't want that at all. Wouldn't want that at all. It's all about praising God for all eternity. There are hundreds who have no desire to give God the glory, no desire to praise God. Heaven is about praising God for eternity. It's about being at rest No more a daily battle with the world, the flesh, and the devil. No more fighting with sin and death. And death, that last great enemy, that last great foe, it will have been vanquished. Oh, there are many people in this day and age who don't know what a battle with sin is all about. They gladly submit and yield to it day by day. But for the Christian, or the one who trusts in Christ alone for salvation, There will be that eternal rest from all this. For God will cause his people to rest in his presence forevermore. This is the desired place for God's people. To be forever with the Lord. But for Israel, the promise is for this age too. God will cause them to return. We read that in Jeremiah chapter 30 and verse 3. I will cause them to return to the land I gave to their fathers. And they shall possess it. But more than that. He will gather him like a flock. Oh, do not see it in verse 10 here. He that scattered Israel, God, he is the one that scattered Israel, will gather him and keep him as a shepherd doth his flock. He will gather him like a flock. Oh, but more than that, he will keep them. He will keep them. What a precious thought that is. He will keep Israel. No more wandering away. No more lusting off the gods of this world. No more seeking gods that are no gods. For God will keep Israel. This is the message of Jeremiah. It's a message of hope. It's a message of joy. He is often seen as a weeping prophet. And truly he was as he wept over Israel. And over Israel's sins, they went against God. And turned against him. But he had a joyful hope. He had a joyful message. Do you have that joyful hope? Do you have that joyful message? That hope that Paul speaks of in Titus chapter 2, oh, what a glorious hope it is. Paul speaks of it in Titus chapter 2, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our great God and of the great God and our Saviour, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity, and purify unto himself a peculiar people zealous of good works these things speak and exhort and rebuke with all authority let no man despise thee. oh do we have that hope that jeremiah had there's a story told, I tell you a story, that motor was driving through Scotland and wanted to find his way to a certain town. As he was driving through a little town, he came across two workmen working by the side of the road. He stopped and asked them the way to his destination, and they were able to give him clear directions of the way he should go. Just as he was about to drive off, one of the workmen asked him all that all-important question, Do you know the way to heaven? He replied that he didn't. The workman said to him the words of John 14 and verse 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. The man thanked the worker and went his way, but for the rest of his journey, he could not get off his mind the words being quoted to him: "I am the way, the truth, and the life." It wasn't long after this that he returned home again, but he still thought of what had been said: "I am the way, the truth, and the life." A few days later. He was involved in a serious accident and received injuries from which he never recovered. Before he died, he had time to speak to his family. Sometime after, this two young men arrived in a small town and asked where the Christian roadwork was. They were the sons of the man. Before he had died, he had called his family and told them to go to Scotland and find the man who appointed him to a Saviour and to heaven. They met the man. And told him father understood what you said and is now in heaven he's at rest and he wanted us to come and say thank you to you for pointing him to the savior i am the way said jesus the truth and the life do you want to go to heaven do you know the way to heaven i'm sure that most if not all people want to go there when life is over but do all men know how to get there but heaven is not an unapproachable place, nor is it an inaccessible place. It is God's dwelling place. And to know the way there is to leave the ways of foolishness and to walk in the ways of wisdom. If you want to go to heaven, then God has given a book to show us the way to get there. It's the Bible. And what the Bible teaches us is the way to get to heaven, you need to trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the only way. He said of himself, I am the way the truth, and the life, to trust in him and him alone. Nothing we can do will ever get us through those shores. The words of Peter and Paul in Acts 4 and verse 12, and Acts 16, verse 31, they teach us this, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the way to heaven. Oh, and it comes a day when Those people of Israel, they look upon him who they pierced and mourn. When they trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, then they too will know peace with God. And lastly, we come and look at the drawing power. As we draw to a close, let us consider this then, the drawing power, this glorious fact. We see in the following verse, do we know that verse there? Verse 3 of chapter 31. Jeremiah chapter 31 and verse 3. The love of God. Here the prophet speaks about the love of God. Israel knew and still should know this everlasting love. Is that which drew them to God in the first place. Oh, how well we know. They were, they were like any other nation or people on the earth. And they would not have sought to find refuge in Jehovah. It can be so true of them. We've considered that even today. They would not have been anywhere. But under God's hand it seems. Yet this was the best place. The safest place for them to be. But God drew them to himself. Why? Because he loved them. With an everlasting love. Yea, I have loved thee. With an everlasting love. Therefore with loving kindness. Have I drawn thee? Oh, that's the drawing power. The everlasting love of God. This is not a conditional love that rests on their love to him. Or we've looked through the passage and all. There were times when Israel had no love for God. They wouldn't hearken to his voice. They wouldn't obey his commandments. They had no love for him. If you love me, you will keep my commandments, the Saviour said. They didn't love him this is why they're in that desert place, that wilderness place. They are dispersed people, even to this day and age. There is no love for the Saviour. So it's not conditional love that rests on their love to him. No, it was an unconditional love. It was an everlasting love that he showed to them in so many ways. And it's my belief that God still shows this love. He says in our prophet Isaiah, we've spoken already all day long, he stretched out his hand to a disobedient and again same people, a people who have no love for him, yet in love all day long, God stretches out his hand towards Israel. What a blessing that is for that nation all day long. But how thankful we too can be for that in our own lives. I know of a surety, but for the grace of God I would never have chosen to walk in his ways. We each of us who know the Lord as our Saviour testify that we would much rather have walked in the ways of sin than to submit, submit to his gracious ways. Yet how precious it is to know that love, that amazing love of God, that everlasting love of God in our lives, that amazing grace that draws us from the ways of disobedience and rebellion, into paths of peace and righteousness. To know that rest that can only be found in the Lord Jesus Christ. As we look out into the incoming days, on all our future days, let us praise God for his drawing power, that unique, irresistible power that draws us to his side. Let us be those who make it a delight to seek his face in prayer, to read the scriptures, to learn more of the Saviour, to walk closely and ever closer to his side. And feel and know his love, that everlasting, eternal love, resting upon us, drawing closer to us. If there be any here tonight, who know not this love, this everlasting love, this drawing power, now I urge you to consider these things and pray that God have mercy upon you. While oh, we read in Ephesians chapter 2, and Paul writes there to the church of Ephesus, and he writes there about what we were in our past days. Ephesians chapter 2, and he says there, trying to find the verse there now. I've lost the verse, but in Ephesians chapter 2, read through it there, and you'll see Paul tells us of what we are by nature, but it's only in the grace of God that we have faith and are saved and are reconciled to Him through the Lord Jesus Christ. It is that same love same love that God says that Jehovah says of his people yea I have loved thee with an everlasting love therefore loving kindness have I drawn thee and he says there hear the word of the Lord verse 10 O ye nations and declare it in the eyes afar off and say he that scattered Israel will gather him and keep him as a shepherd doth his flock for the Lord hath redeemed Jacob and ransomed him from the hand of him that was stronger than he have a look in your own time another passage have a look at Ezekiel chapter 34 have a read through that passage there you'll see in that passage there Ezekiel chapter 4 the whole chapter you'll see there Ezekiel he talks about shepherds he talks about flock he's talking about the nation of Israel when he speaks about the flock and he talks about those shepherds who scattered the flock who brought in disobedience, who brought in rebellions, who caused the nation of Israel to turn away from hearkening unto the voice of God. As you come to the latter end of the chapter, there, you'll see there in verse 11 For thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I, even I, will both search my sheep and seek them out. As a shepherd seeketh his flock in the day that he is among his sheep that are scattered, so will I seek out my sheep and will deliver them from all places where they have been scattered in the cloudy and dark day. And I'll bring them out from the people and gather them from the countries and will bring them to their own land and feed them upon the mountains of Israel by the rivers and in all inhabited places of the country. I will feed them in a good pasture. And upon the high mountains of Israel shall their fold be, there shall they lie in a good fold, and in a fat pasture shall they feed upon the mountains of Israel. I will feed my flock, and I will cause them to lie down, saith the Lord, and go on and read through there. And it comes to the end of the last verse there, Ezekiel thirty four and the verse thirty one. And ye are my flock. Oh he's speaking to Israel. And ye are my flock, the flock of my pasture, are men, and I am your God, saith the Lord God. Oh the message of Jeremiah comes through to us into this day. Israel, looking back in their history, a dangerous place, a desolate place. A dispersed people. And yet they knew they were drawn people. They knew that drawing power of God. And they will come to that desired place. The fold of the shepherd. And there God will keep them. Keep them in safety. Forevermore. Oh, what a glorious chap this is. It speaks so much of Israel but I hope and pray that even today, yes, we learn of Israel, we learn of a great future they have, but take it to our own hearts and lives too. Oh, let us learn. Let us not be disobedient. But may we each hearken to the word of God's, Hear the voice of God. Walk with him. Know that drawing and keep in power and ever abide in him. Amen.